This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. That's the hope of the gospel in that 2 Samuel 14, 14. Yet doth he devise means that his banished be not expelled from him, 2 Samuel 14, 14. God has devised a means, a way, for us who are banished from God because of our sin to not be expelled from God. And that way that God has devised is the gospel of John 3.16, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life, that his banished be not expelled from him. And the sorting that happens where a person is either cast into hell only happens when they reject God's means, God's method for them not to be expelled from God. That's the light of the gospel. And the condemnation was only when a person turns away from the gospel light into darkness, John 3.19, John 3.19. This is the condemnation, that light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. So just as though fishermen were in control of the net, and just as the fishermen determine when the net's gonna be pulled in, God is in control of the appointment of death. And at first, the fish, they're unconcerned about the net, they don't even see the net, they're being watched from above. Carlos is over them looking down into the water, and the fish just think that, yeah, we've been in a lot of rocks, a lot of kelp. We'll find the way out. We know how to go, beating the crags of the rocks. We know how to get around the leaves of the kelp. And there's this confidence. Net is drawn in. The fish feel the pressure of the net. The fish begin to be concerned. The fish begin to panic. The fish struggle. And then finally they give up and die. As the net creeps nearer and nearer and they begin to get wound up, the fish, the net gets wound up around the fish. And when the net is then dragged to the shore, the good fish are separated from the bad fish, as it says in verse 48. And you say, well, 
keep in mind that this is Jewish land here. So you say, well, what's the criteria for separating the good fish and the bad fish? They're going through them one by one. And the criteria is Leviticus 11.9. Leviticus 11.9. These shall ye eat of all that are in the waters, whatsoever hath fin and scales, in the waters and the seas and the rivers, them shall ye eat. Leviticus 11.12. Leviticus 11.12. Whatsoever hath no fins nor scales in the waters, that shall be an abomination unto you. It's just all about fins and scales. Fins and scales. They pull out one fish, he's got fins, no scales, bad. Pull out another fish, he's got scales, no fins, bad. Pull out another fish, he's got fins and scales, good. That's what it's all about. Fins and scales. And you say, well, what is it about fins and scales that God likes? Well, fins are very valuable for fish because fins guide the fish through the water. Fins steer the fish. That's what the fish do. Fins stop the fish. You can say, fins enable a fish to stop and hover in place. And the water currents might be pushing the fish all over, the forwards and backwards. I remember on my, what do you call it, the qualification dive for scuba. I was out at Catalina a few years ago, 1967. And, and uh, <laughs> yeah, anyway, hadn't been scuba diving since then. Went to Hawaii, I said, you can show my little card. When was the last time we were scuba, scuba diving? No, oh, 50 years ago. Anyway, so a lot of currents down there. And I was watching these fish, and, and they would just stay in place. And then all of a sudden, I'd be 20 feet away. And I'd go back and forth. And fins enable a fish to stop and hover in place, even when the water currents are trying to push the fish forward and backwards. The, you know, the fins on the fish are the whoa, the whoa. They keep them stopped in the water. The fins resist water currents. Fins enable a fish to go exactly where he wants to go, and fins enable a fish to keep his position. And God wants us to be like fish that have fins. He, God wants us to steer our lives to where we gotta go, we should go, and not go where we shouldn't go, because our lives are like a walk this was first introduced to it when God said to Abraham, God said to Abraham in Genesis 17.1, Genesis 17.1, Abraham was 99, 90 years old and nine. The Lord appeared to Abraham and said unto him, I am the Lord, I am the almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. That's how God said he wanted Abraham's life to be, a walk, a walk. And in, our, in the walk of our lives, God says, I want you to walk knowing that I'm behind you and watching you. I got my eye on you, you know? Every time Rosie at our house in Loretto, every time the police drive by, which sometimes can be a good thing, sometimes not a bad a good thing, depends on the policeman. But anyway, she goes out there and she does this. <laughs> she says, I got my eye on you. <laughs> and that's what God says. Walk before me, I got my eye on you. But he doesn't want to, the walk of our lives, he doesn't want us to be all alone out there walking in front of him. So he wants us to walk with him like Enoch did in his life in Genesis 5.24. Genesis 5.24 where it says, Enoch walked with God. So Abraham walked before me 
Enoch walked with God side by side. And as we walk before God, with God watching us, and as we walk with God at our side, God wants to help us in the direction of our lives. And so he says in Isaiah 30, verse 21, Isaiah 30, verse 21, thine ears shall hear a word behind thee saying, this is the way, walk ye in it when you turn to the right hand or when you turn to the left. And it's our wills that are like the fins of a fish that steer our lives to cause us to turn to the right hand, left hand, or stop. And that's why God called the fish with fins clean fish and the fish without fins unclean fish because they just go wherever they're carried. As it says, uh, be not carried about, the Bible says, be not carried about or the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, tossed to and fro. And God says, I don't want you to live your life like that, carried about with every whim, carried about with every passion of the flesh. Don't be like that. Be like the fish that guides and that has the ability to stop. Because a fish without fins doesn't steer well. He doesn't stop well. And that's what the Bible calls the word froward, froward, Proverbs 3.32, Proverbs 3.32, the froward is an abomination to the Lord. Now scales, that's why God loves fins. That's why God says, I want you to eat fish that got fins. So maybe you'll grow fins and you'll do it anyway. But scales on the fish, they have two purposes. They have two purposes. First, scales protect the fish. Protect the fish. Down there in Sea Cortez, there's a fish that's called the cochito. Cochito or trigger fish. They have scales so strong they'll dull a knife. They'll dull a knife. And then there's another fish called the Wachinago, and the Wachinago have giant scales, and they're like impenetrable pieces of plastic. It's not pleasant if you don't get those off the fish before you clean it. And so the scales are like an armor that protect the fish. And God wants us to, Ephesians 6.11, Ephesians 6.11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. God calls the fish with scales clean because they wear the armor and God wants us to not be vulnerable. He wants us to have the armor of God on. And so God loves scales because they're like a coat that the skin, that the fish wears on his skin. As a matter of fact, when you take a knife, you know, you descale a fish, you take a knife, you rub it back, and the scales just come off like it's a coat. They just come like a coat coming off of a, a coat of armor coming off the fish. And it's the and so that's the first thing that God loves about the scales of a fish, because it's an armor that the fish wears to protect itself, and God wants us to wear the armor of God so that we can be protected. But scales do something else. Scales also give the fish its color especially when they're in the water and the light passes through the water and it's the density of that cutaneous type of material in the scale that makes up the scale that causes the light to be refracted like a prism and it, gives, it makes the fish very colorful. Scales can be so colorful, like on the Dorado, which break the sunlight by refraction into beautiful colors of blue and yellow and red. Scales make the fish beautiful with its gorgeous armor of colorful light. And God loves beauty. And God doesn't want us to look filthy. 
He doesn't want us to look bad like the high priest Joshua looked when he was standing before God, as we talked about it in Zechariah 3.3, Zechariah 3.3. Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and stood before the angel. And he answered and spake unto those that stood before him, saying, take away the filthy garments from him. And unto him he said, behold, I have caused thine iniquity to pass from thee, and I will clothe thee with the change of raiment. And God doesn't want us to be clothed with the filthy rags of our own righteousness from Isaiah 64, 6, Isaiah 64, 6. But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as the leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. God wants us to be clothed like the fish with the beauty of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says in Romans 13, 12, Romans 13, 12, the night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light, the armor of light. That scales, it protects and it's beauty. It's an armor of light. Just like the fish would say, let me put on my scales as an armor of light. We say, let me put on the Lord Jesus Christ as my armor of light. Romans 13, 14, Romans 13, 14. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Again, we say, let me put on the Lord Jesus Christ, be clothed in his righteousness. What is that? That's a Psalm 90, verse 17 beauty. Psalm 90, verse 17. Let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us. Just like the fish would say, let me put on my scales, be upon me. We say, let me, let the beauty of the Lord Jesus be upon me. That's why God loves these fish with scales, because he wants us to be clothed with his righteousness so that, Revelation 3.18, Revelation 3.18, I counsel thee to buy of me gold, tried in the fire, that mayest be rich, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. That's why fish without scales, without fins, were an abomination to Israel. That's what makes a fish good when they were sorting it. But coming back to this casting into the sea, when the Lord said in verse 47 here, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a net that is cast into the sea. This statement here, this parable, like I said, this is the seventh last parable, this caps off the history of the gospel in the world. This net caps off, this parable of the net caps off the history of the gospel in the world. His first statement, like we said in verse three of this chapter, verse three of this chapter, behold, a sower went forth to sow. That was the world, that's how the world history started off. A sower, in verse three, is spreading his gospel seed on land, on the earth. The world history of the gospel ends with a fisherman spreading his gospel net on water, on the sea. The gospel history starts off on land. It ends in the sea. God's first statement about the Jewish people in the Bible, when God likened the Jewish people to land, the land that he said in, in Genesis twenty-two seventeen, Genesis 22, 17, he said to Abraham, in blessing I will bless thee, and multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of heaven, as the sand which is on the seashore. Liken the Jewish people to sand, land, by the sea, next to the sea. God's next statement about the Jewish people was when God likened the Jewish people to the dust of the earth in Genesis 13, 16. Genesis 13, 16, I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth. 
so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed also be likened. So the start of the gospel history is with a sower who is sowing gospel seed into the dust of the earth. In verse three, verse three, behold, the sower went forth to sow. The gospel history starts with the Jewish people as the Lord Jesus said in Matthew 15, 22, Matthew 15, 22, when a Gentile woman, as it says, behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast, cried unto him, saying, have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. But he answered her not a word. His disciples came besought him, saying, send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Here was a Gentile woman coming to the Lord. The Lord told her that he was sent to the lost sheep of the Jewish people. As a matter of fact, when the Lord sent out his disciples, he told them, go to the Jewish people, not to the Gentiles. Matthew 10.5, Matthew 10.5, these 12 Jesus sent forth and commanded them saying, go not into the way of the Gentiles and into any city of the Samaritans enter ye not. It was not that God was at first against the Gentiles, no. It wasn't that God did not love the Gentiles because John 3.16, God so loved the world of Gentiles that he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. In going to the Jewish people, it was instead of the Gentiles, God was not a statement of God as against the Gentiles. It all had to do with God's order. It all had to do with God's plan, how God was going to reach the world of the Gentiles through the Jewish people. And God was seeking to prepare and send the Jewish people to the Gentiles. That's why God told Moses to tell the Jewish people in Exodus 19.6, Exodus 19.6, you shall be unto me a kingdom of priests. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. Priests represent other people. Priests don't represent priests. A kingdom of priests doesn't represent itself. Priests represent other people. Priests intercede to God for other people. And if the Jewish people are a kingdom of priests, then they need other people to represent and to intercede for. And those other people are the Gentiles. That's why the Lord Jesus told his disciples to go with their gospel seed and spread it on the land, which represents the Jewish people. And from that parable of the sower and the seed, there would be among the Jewish people those with hard hearts who would allow Satan to come in and take the gospel seed away. There would be among the Jewish people those who were shallow, uncommitted people who receivers of the gospel. There would be among the Jewish people those who would be so engrossed with their businesses that the gospel would be choked out. But there would also be among the Jewish people those who would, with a whole heart, would receive the gospel. All gospel in the form of seed that would be spread over the land representing the Jewish people. But the gospel history is ending now in verse 47 with the gospel form of a net that's being spread on the sea. And the sea, as we said, Revelation 17, 15, Revelation 17, 15, this sea are the waters of peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues, which means that a change occurs. A change has happened where the gospel is not being finished by spreading over the Jewish people represented by the land, but now over the Gentiles represented by the sea. And this is the change that happened in Acts 10 and Acts 11 when God eliminated the kosher laws of food that could not be eaten in a vision that was given to Peter 
In Acts 11.4, Acts 11.4, Peter rehearsed the matter from the beginning and expounded it by order unto them, saying, I was in a city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw in a vision a certain vessel descend, and as it had been a great sheet let down from heaven by four corners, and it came even to me, upon the which which I had fastened my eyes, I considered and saw four-footed beasts of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, fowls of the air, I heard a voice saying unto me, Arise, Peter, slay and eat. The meaning is in Acts 11, 18, Acts 11, 18. When they heard these things and held their peace and glorified God, saying, Then hath God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. Same chapter, Acts eleven twenty, Acts eleven twenty. Some of them which were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, Gentiles, which when they were come to Antioch spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus, and the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. That was the great turning, the great turning of the gospel from the land of the land, the Jewish people land, to the sea, the Gentile people sea. As a matter of fact, the whole significance of the book of Acts is this turning. It's this turning from the Jewish people land to the Gentile sea with statements like Acts 13, 46, Acts 13, 46. Paul and Barnabas waxed old and said it was necessary the word of God should first have been spoken to you. But seeing you put it far from you and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. We turn to the Gentiles. For so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee to be a light of the Gentiles, that thou should be for salvation unto the end of the earth. Acts 18.6, Acts 18.6. From henceforth I will go unto the Gentiles, Paul said. Acts 28.28, 28.28, end of the book. Be it known therefore unto you that the salvation of God is sent unto the Gentiles and that they will hear it. Gospel invitation that God gave came to Jewish people for them to, they invited, God invited them, come to Jehovah Jesus. It was first made to the Jewish people, come to Jehovah Jesus. And then it was made to the Gentiles, as God told the Jewish people about the Gentiles, that they would run, they would run to Jehovah Jesus in Isaiah 55.3. Isaiah 55.3, when God said to the Jewish people, incline your ear and come unto me. Here in your soul shall live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David, Behold, I have given him for a witness to the people, a leader and commander of the people. Behold, they shall call a nation that thou knowest not. Nations that knew thee not shall run unto thee because of the Lord thy God and for the Holy One of Israel, for he hath glorified thee. That's why this chapter 13, this Matthew 13 chapter, ends with the gathering of the fish from the sea. The sea of the Gentiles, it's this preaching to the Gentiles it's this big preaching to the Gentiles that the Apostle John saw in the book of Revelation. Revelation 14.6, Revelation 14.6, when he said, I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people. So this is the end of the set of seven parables, the history of the gospel on the earth that he has just finished and 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 next we'll see the reaction of those who are his enemies. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the gospel. Thank you, Lord, for its course. 
and how wonderful and beautiful it is. Thank you too, Lord, for how you communicated it in ways that we can understand. In Jesus' name, amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.